On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, it's our special Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode number five with my old pal Melissa, and it's our most favorite one yet. Prepare to be inspired. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives the voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, before we get to our episode, our special Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode number five, I just first want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star written review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently at NarcissistApocalypse.com and you want to be a guest on our show, please do, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says, you know, guest form. Click on that guest form, fill it out, and we go from there. But another way to be on our show is to be on the episode that we're doing today. And it's taken a while to compile these, but if you go to NarcissistApocalypse.com and want to be on our Letters to My Nar- Narcissist Compilation, episode number six there's a floating button on the side of the page that says send voicemail that voicemail is for this type of episode only if you want to be on the show that's a different type of thing at the guest form button just you know we've had some complications in the past anyway Click on that send voicemail, records up to five minutes. You need more than five minutes, press it twice, press it three times, press it as many times as you need. And if you don't want to read the letter yourself and you want me or my old pal Melissa to read the letter for you, send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and put letters to my narcissist in the subject line. Other things, at our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, we are now offering high-conflict parenting courses at NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. Yes, we have now partnered with Online Parenting, and many of the courses we're offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've listened to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen, you'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court, and he's now helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children, too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. And what else do I have here today? Our Patreon. Our Patreon is, is cooking these days. We have uh, more members. We have uh, two support groups a week. We have a Wednesday and we have a Saturday uh, support group. The Wednesday one, every other Wednesday, is a guided meditation 
uh, group, and then the other one is a full support group. And, you know, we had a good group of uh, people in there on Saturday night. We had some regulars. We had some new people. Uh, we helped out some people. It was a good time. And, you know, you can, when you sign up to the Patreon, which is only $5, uh, you know, you get other episodes that have never made it to air, follow-up episodes with former guests, and, and much more. We also added a forum, a private forum board, which we're adding stuff to uh, now every day. People can put, like, their messages that need support on there, questions and things like that. But we're, I'm going to be trying to add a lot of uh, resources on there just to make it easier for everyone. You get all of that for 5 bucks a month. It's a pretty good deal. And I think that's it. This is our, our letters to my narcissist compilation episode. You know, we try to have as much fun as we can on these ones. Me and my old pal, Melissa, we, we loosen it up a little bit. We joke around and, you know, today's letters were uh, nothing short of amazing. There's some uh, written letters. There are voicemails. And we have a couple songs as well that were that were on there. So, um, you know, I love these episodes, and there's a lot of learning in, in these ones. We talk in detail about them after we, we read them off or, or listen to them, and, you know, we share our points about everything. And, you know, Melissa is more articulate than I am, and uh, that's all I have to say. Thank goodness for her. And, again, um, join our Patreon and to all the, our Patreon people, the ones that are in the uh, superb on Saturday, uh, you know, uh, thanks for being who you guys are and supporting everyone in our community. So thank you, and I'm going to get out of my way and your way, everyone. Here is my letters to my narcissist compilation episode number five with my old pal, Melissa. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse. This is the Letters to My Narcissist edition, volume, I think, five. Welcome, everyone. And with me today is my old pal, Melissa. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I know you've been on the Patreon since, but you haven't been on on the main uh, podcast in a while. So if you uh, want to give an update of like what the heck is going on in your life that no one has heard from you in forever. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. Um well, I already sort of talked about it on the Patreon episode, but I've been working for a, a maniacal narcissist, and uh, it's been a it's been a ride, a roller coaster ride, and that's sort of been taking up a lot of my energy. But uh, I'm trying not to not to let it, you know. So that's been my uh, my life. But I've also done a lot of good things i made an art studio in my house that's really good and that's positive making making clowns yep making clown paintings and uh just you know trying to get through life like the rest of us and you're back in lockdown yes we are we're back in lockdown so you know kind of back to square one, but I've, I've definitely developed better uh, skills to cope with it. So that's good. 
Um, and uh, how about like uh, your brother? Like, what are you kind of doing around the uh, house? Like, are you duding it up? Wait, say that again. <laughs> how about my what? <laughs> Did you say brother? What's that? You know, you love being a bra. <laughs> Oh my god, that's good. Um, you know, yeah, I just I just brought up like it just just comes natural, you know. So What is the life of you and being a bra? <laughs> um, uh, you know, football, um, you know, chicks, beer. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> Anyone knows about this inside joke, so. What, that you're the world's biggest feminist bra? <laughs> and you're just the world's biggest bra. Oh, very much so. I was. <laughs> I was once. I've changed. Yeah, you know. I don't think so. I don't think you're over a bra. Um, Maybe partly. Maybe. I think, uh, like, uh, together we are. Yeah, together. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, we're I think our, we're boring people uh, right there. <laughs> I think so too. So uh, you know everything else is is going pretty good. We're we're um, I guess you know you've been working a lot. You've been working hard, and you know I just want to thank you for for being here because you always add to these letters to my narcissist episodes. You know I. Uh, a lot of the time have a brain fart when it comes to uh, being, uh, I'm not going to use the word sensitive, but having something insightful to say after we read or listen to something. And I always say after the show is over, thank goodness you were here. (laughs) (laughs) I think like clockwork every single time. I'm like, thank goodness. (laughs) Oh man, it would have been terrible if it was just me. So. Well, these ones are the best. These are the fun, fun episodes. Not to say that, you know, all the letters are fun or anything, but I like that we get the, the opportunity to share people's stories, you know. So. And we get to uh, joke around. I don't always have to be um, a serious me because mm-hmm. you really don't know me as serious me, <laughs> uh, you know, before we started That's doing it. this. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the first thing we're going to listen to today is the, I think, the only thing that I've actually listened to uh, of, of all, all these things. And we're, we're going to be listening to a, there's, I think, uh, two, maybe three songs we're going to have today. Uh, don't be scared, everyone, because I, I don't know if people like uh, uh, fast forward through the songs or not. But the first song we're going to listen to is uh, a, a listener uh, of the show sent it to me. Um, and it's, I guess there's this, uh, band in England that, uh, they like, and they're going to be, um, putting out an album soon. And they sent me the thing and I loved, uh, this song and it really represents, you know, what a lot of people are going through in the emotions. And I, um, I went onto Instagram and I, texted this person who is part of this band and I said uh, can I use your song on the show and, and do this and they said of course this is amazing and eventually in the future on Instagram we're going to 
uh, with with the band, we are going to uh, do like an Instagram live, and I think maybe do uh, all of the songs from their EP. I hope we can do all their songs, but we're just going to do do one because all of them are are themed uh, for this kind of topic. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, toxic people breaking up and, and things like that. So I'm really excited to play this. It's by um, they're called. Hold on, it's called the Broken Dreams Club which is a great name for uh, a band and for um, everyone. So anyway, the first song, uh, the song that we're going to listen to, and the first thing uh, up here is called Pool Party. And uh, Melissa, when you are ready, go. If I went to your pool party, I'd wish that I was dead. So you like that song? That was so good. 
I so, love how it was like kind of sweet but sad. It's one of those yeah, songs that has a really upbeat tempo but has uh, depressing li- lyrics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I sent, like, you, I, I sent you the lyrics. Did you see them? Yes, I just read them. Um, yeah, I, I, I love the song. And the other songs um, that uh, I've heard from uh, the, the EP are uh, fantastic. And there's something about um, this song, you know, as far as, you know, the lyrics I loved right off the bat. It's just like if I went to your pool party, I wish that I was dead. Right away, I was just like, that's a, you know, how many people. Killer. It, it, it was, to me, it was like how many people uh, feel the exact same way. And just it, it was just put in a way where it hit you emotionally, or at least did it to me. Um and, you know, even at the end, you know, it says, like, uh, you can come to my party if you want. So you have this person who's struggling and, mm-hmm. um, you know, doesn't want to see this person. But yet there's still this part of them that is attached. Um, and then you have, like, all, you know, the stuff that everyone goes through in this community, which is, um, you know, You'd flat out ignore me and everything I said. I'd feel like nothing. Uh, I'm nothing to you, and that's not uh, not something I thought you'd ever do. So just you know, being you know discarded by this person. So I don't know. This is to me like a perfect song for this community in 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 the other um, songs that I heard were also like right up the this alley. So I was like, oh this is a, a good thing, you know, to play for everyone. And it's, you know, upbeat. For some reason I um in a way I you know I'm a, a teenager of the the nineties and <laughs> and for some reason this kind of I don't know, it felt like it. And Yeah, totally. Totally. And, you know, and I don't know if everyone out there knows but uh Melissa here is the biggest Blink-182 fan in the world. <laughs> Seriously. That's, that's, that's a true statement. She, she has a tattoo of Travis Barker on her face, except it's full-sized. <laughs> uh, no, I just copied all his tattoos onto my own body. <laughs> onto your own body. That's one giant <laughs> tattoo. So you shaved. So, so you shaved your head, and then you tattooed everything, and then you had your hair grow back in. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. First you're, concert I ever went to when I was thirteen. You're dedicated. Yeah. What is your favorite Blink One Eighty Two song? Ooh, that's that's too hard to answer. Oh, I know what it is. It's Eminem. Can you sing it? I don't know it's that. A really one. old song. Uh, maybe I can sing it at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, uh, Jake, so what else? Do you have, what else do you have to say about uh, "Pool Party" uh, by the Broken Dreams Club? Well, I love the Broken Dreams Club now, and yeah, I I think it's like like you said, it reminds me of like '90s music too, because like you know how most songs were like very like short lyrics but like just cut straight through your heart you know and like very visual like immediately you could see this pool party and you're just like oh this guy sucks you know like you could just picture him 
guy or girl, but you could just picture them. And it's a guy, simple girl, it's a simple construction of of a song. It's uh, simple yeah. in the sense of like you have your melodies and you know everything's really kind of straightforward. There's no bells in in whistles, which is Exactly. Um, you know, even if you, and I'm going to be a music nerd here for a second, like even if you take uh, Nirvana for a second and you are listening to them, you know, it's, it's a melodic in a lot yeah. of ways. And in some ways the music itself is, is, um, uh, uh, happier or, or I guess that's not the way to put it, but uh, no, and, that's like exactly right. And the lyric, yes, and then the lyrics are depressing. Yeah, the, but they're so good. Yes, like, so good. That's what, that's exactly what it reminds me of. And Perfect. if you were to see uh, the lead uh, singer of of this band, you'd be like, "Hey, it's, it's Lisa Loeb." Um, which is, you know, nice. which is really, uh, nineties, but I still remember, everyone remembers Lisa Lowe. Um, or well, at least I do. Anyway, uh, <laughs> big thanks to, uh, the person that sent that in and then the Broken Dreams Club for allowing us to play it. And, mm-hmm. uh, I guess now we'll go into a, uh, a uh, audio letter, and which one do you want to pick? Um, because I have really not listened. Okay. Go, go. You ready? Yeah. Black magic. I still see you in my relapse dreams. You were intoxicating. I drank you in. I couldn't have just a taste. You took over my senses. My body was warm and alive. My worries comforted and free. You understood exactly what I needed, and you begged me to consume you. You presented yourself as fancy and special and grown up. You made me believe I could rely on you and everything would be safe. We were a perfect pair. At first, I was too busy swimming in your magic to notice the warning signs, but I'm not stupid, so I questioned the red flags, the giant red flags waving in my gut. You told me I was crazy, couldn't see straight. You tore me down, but I needed you to lift me back up over and over again. The addiction got stronger. You made me feel worse and worse, creating a deeper need for you to make me feel normal again. You left me crying, physically ill, broken, ashamed, betrayed, and afraid. When I tried to quit you, you rocked my world with threats and destruction until I came back to you for relief. You couldn't drown me completely. My inner voice was always there fighting until one day I found the knowledge to give me the strength to let you go. I said goodbye and it was awful. Heartbreak like my soul has never endured. Physical and mental withdrawal, torture. Had to cut you off completely. You still possess my memories. I remember how much fun you were and I want to go back. Back to that rush of warmth and numbness and intoxication. The best feeling I've ever known. I follow through with that thought and see how it will end if I go back so I stay away. You are a curse. You are the devil. You are darkness. You knew it all along. You fully intended to suck me dry, ruin my relationships, my finances, my heart, my mind. That's the hardest part, accepting you were never on my side. You were false advertising, black magic. I still see you in my dreams, and I'm always so relieved to wake up free, free from alcohol and free from you. But I'm always glad I still get a little taste of you both just in my dreams. 
that was very, very cool. That was, you know, in, in a way like the song, you know, you have the uh, situation, the relationship that left the person hurt and, um, the, you know, and then at the end with wanting them, you know, still getting this sense of them in the dream that gives them a little bit of um, maybe the good that was once there or that mm-hmm. brief, those brief love bombing moments that might not have been real in a sense. Yeah. Um, but as a lot of people know who deal with this is that a uh, big question for a lot of people or big conundrum is dealing with the fact that uh, what is real and, and what isn't real. And there's, you know, some people that still want to believe um and, you know, it's it's up to everyone that those real parts were real and they were good. And, you know, there's that type of that person. And then there's some others that um, are in the camp of, you know, that wasn't real. You know, the person didn't ever respect me. And um, that part really hurts um, when you come to terms and start dealing with, like, the reality of situations and, um, you know, the, the, it might not, uh, if it wasn't you, you could have been easily replaced. And for a lot of people, it's very hard to hear or deal with, uh, kind of going forward. And that letter, um, just really does a, a good job of, you know, explaining or going to the depth of your emotions, uh, dealing with that. And then also with that little part of you, that a lot of us still might have um, where you might get that, you know, you might be like 99% healed and there's still that 1% of you that might have that image of that person and get that like good feeling. And that's also, that's also sometimes very difficult to deal with as well because you don't want to have that feeling anymore. So well, yeah, and, and also the way she um, summed it up at the end with uh, how it relates to sobriety as well, right? Being free from alcohol and free from this person. It's like just driving the point home of how it does really act like an addiction, right? And I thought that was very cool, too. Good way of kind of relating the two. So anyway, uh, thank you to... Uh, the person who sent us in that letter, I'll be sending you an email after this to thank you. And I guess now we're going to go into uh, a written letter. And let's get up our written letter pages. And I will, uh, I'll start this one off. And uh, ignore, uh, uh, Melissa, ignore the thing at the top. That was just a reminder for me to uh, text somebody <laughs> and I put, it at the top the, I put it at the top of the page with their phone number. Um, all right, here I go. Dear parents, it has been about 20 years since I went no contact. I'm not writing to introduce you to the person I am today. You don't deserve to know. I am writing to tell you what these years of self-healing have taught me. 
Neither of you won the birth lottery when it came to your parents. Your marriage was based in a shared sense of misery. You had children because it was expected of you. You stay married because you didn't have the courage to admit that you were two deeply unhappy people. And for these reasons, I feel sadness for you both. However, none of this justified designating me your first child as the family scapegoat. It wasn't until you were out of my life did I realize that you were never going to be the parents I needed. Once I mourned that loss, I learned to forget about you. Forgiveness is a complicated word, and I've yet to find a definition that feels right to me. What I can tell you is outside of the time I spent writing this letter, I never think of you. Goodbye. Wow. That's a super powerful one. It's a really interesting letter. Um, And, I mean, it addresses so many things about, um, you know, people who, you know, become parents and mm-hmm. come from households uh, that most likely were not great and then don't do work on themselves. And they just kind of are running um, you know, off of actions and, and reactions of the things that they knew and aren't, um, you know, it's a lot of the time they're unaware of what they're actually doing. And then, then they might, they're, they're abusive towards uh, younger people. They don't, they're, they're kids and, and they don't understand a lot of the time that, you know, they're just following another cycle and causing mm-hmm. the, the abuse and like the cycle of abuse kind of continues. And forgiveness is uh, the, the biggest thing here is like the forgiveness aspect of everything. I mean, what is forgiveness to you? Well, yeah, that, that, that's just it. Right. I've, grappled with that word too um i think i think when it comes to your parents though it's, it's got to be even harder right i mean and having to like look at life in that way i mean i've looked at life in that way where it's like you know why do people have children um like are they selfish reasons are they reasons that weren't um thought out properly <laughs> i always like think of how dark that idea is um and like it, it it's hard for somebody to even hold that in their in their minds in their consciousness i think to like think that your family could be so neglectful i guess right mm-hmm. so yeah and, i thought about that, that letter yeah and i think in in a sense here you know forgiveness is you know forgiving the idea that this person's parents came from a certain place and they were just acting out in the way that they they did and mm-hmm. that they forgive them because they know where they came from, but that still doesn't excuse them for what was done to them. So in a way, there is right. a compassion, I guess. I guess the mm-hmm. word, I guess the word here forgiveness in a, in, a, in a sense might mean um compassion and that she does have a compassion for what happened to them but it doesn't yeah. give them an excuse 
for what happened um, to her. And I think that's really important when it comes to, you know, the world that, you know, uh, my world is now revolved around with, with the podcast and everything. And, you know, when I am on social media or sometimes I, I'll get an email here or there from people who um, like to say that, um, you know, uh, we're creating a stigma around people with disorders and, and, and things like that. And, you know, my answer to that is, you know, we can have compassion for, for people with disorders, but it doesn't, um, you know, we like to, I like to use the word toxic now in front of everything. So for someone who's toxic and has that disorder, that doesn't give them the right to be abusive to someone else. So yeah. we can be compassionate yeah. for whatever uh, they had to go through. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of abusers um, were abused before. We can have compassion for that, um, you know, but at the same time, it doesn't give them an excuse to uh, be abusive to someone else. And if Right. You, so yeah. I guess that's, you know, my interpre- interpretation of forgiveness um, from here. I might be wrong, but I can email that person after and maybe they'll send me an email to tell me if I got it right. Or maybe there is no right. <laughs> I, I don't think there is, I, I think, but I think that is a good interpretation of it. I, I do. And, yeah, it's, it's not about blaming. It's just about people having to take accountability, right? I mean, that's, you can't perpetuate abuse, right? It, it's You have to at some point look at yourself and figure it out, right? Yeah, but, my, you know, my interpretation could be wrong. It could be like me telling everyone, oh, this is what the Stanley Kubrick movie is about, uh, 2001, <laughs> and Stanley Kubrick, Stanley, Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick just being like, no, it's just a movie about space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's a space movie, dude. You think Stanley Don't Kubrick talked like that? <laughs> dude, um, did you see my movie Eyes Wide Shut? It was an awesome thriller, gnarly. Yeah, maybe he was a, a surfer, dude, you yeah. know? like. Where am I going here? I guess we're going to go to the next audio one. So I guess that's going to be, what, like uh, 820? 820. Okay. I have no, remember, I have no idea uh, what these are right now, so... Um, who knows what this is going to be? Okay. Are, you, are you ready? Yep. You watched me. I know you did. You watched me for months, and you knew my weaknesses. You knew I was kind. You knew I was loving. You knew I had a family that I adored. I had everything you wanted but didn't have. You made your move. You sucked me in. You made me fall in love with you. You love-bombed me. You made me feel like I was the most beautiful, amazing, important woman on the planet. You gave me everything that I had been so starved for for so many years. But you, you were a liar. You were a false person. You were not real. You were cruel, calculated, evil. I was married to you for four and a half years. 
the longest four and a half years of my life. Four and a half years of fear, walking on eggshells, wondering what I was going to get when I came home, who I was going to get when I came home, being terrified of text messages from you. And then you met her, and she was your new everything. She left her husband of 31 years, and she abandoned her three children for you. You didn't care. You broke my children's hearts that loved you. You didn't care. You broke my mom's heart, who adored you. You didn't care. You left me with a text message. A text message. You took the dog, you took your clothes, and you sent me a text. It took me three months after that text to even fully understand that you left me for her. I didn't know about her. You had to tell me about her. That's how good you were. I had no idea. I didn't know you rented a house with her. I believed you when you said you were in an apartment. I believed everything you said to me. I believed it up until about two months ago when you married her. And the day you married her, you sent me a text message saying, I miss you, thinking about you. On the day you married her. I feel bad for her. I used to hate her, but now I pity her. I know what she has ahead of her. She has about a year or two with you that's good, where you still value her, where you still see her and love her, well, as much as you can love anyone or anything, as you used to say. But then the shine will wear off her. The shine will wear off you. She'll see who you really are. And once she sees who you really are, you'll leave her too. You probably will try to come back to me. I'm not the same person. I'm not the same woman. I will no longer be your victim. I don't love you anymore. It took me a long time to get there. But you did that. You took that love, that pure, beautiful love I had for you. And you destroyed it. You threw it away like it was garbage. You'll never have that again. But maybe someday I will. You have a new wife. I have a new life. I'm the winner. Woo! Woo! What a way to end it. It was a great ending. Great ending. My heart goes out to this person. It sounds like this is pretty fresh. Um... Yeah! Wow, unbelievable. You know, it was a textbook. Um, very, like as far as efficiency of a letter and um, explaining uh, this type of abuse from beginning to end and um, keeping you on um, a an emotional ride. I mean, this letter does its job from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. Um, explaining everything, uh, you have the anger and, um, it's just, it's just a really good letter. Um, and I just want to thank that person for, for sharing it. Do you, you know, obviously, as I said before, I'm not always the most articulate after these, uh, letters. So I'm throwing it over to you. What's, uh, how are you feeling about this? Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's like very, 
efficient at telling the story and just the trajectory of this person, you know, finding someone new and the day that he ties the knot with them messaging Ugh. her. It's just like, oh, it's just like you just detest this person. And like you were saying before, it's like that. It's a terrible feeling realizing like, you know, that they are just replacing people that easily. But maybe there's some comfort in that, you know, that like you're out, you're, you're, you're out and it's not you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we can sum up this letter in the ah uh, and whew. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was uh, I think our our third letter. I just want to thank that person. And um, again, I'm, I'm thanking you for being here. You know, I'm more of the comic relief during these episodes, and you're the more insightful one. Um. <laughs> so. I think you're insightful as well. Not like you. So <laughs> up up next, we have another audio letter, and I guess it would be 830. You have the 830 one there? Let me just see here. Oh, what did I do? 830. Okay, yes, I've got it. Are you ready? Ready. Go. Dear Narcissist. When I first discovered your lies, I was devastated. Motivational quotes, like everyone comes into your life for a reason, angered me. I couldn't see any reason that I deserved to be lied to and used for over two years while you had an entire second life going on. I had really tried with you. I worked on getting over my fears and letting my walls down, showing my vulnerability and communicating effectively. I showed up with an open heart. I now see that I ignored numerous red flags. I chalked them up to me being scared and insecure or paranoid for no reason. I thought if I just tried harder or was patient for longer, then you would finally be ready to settle down with me. Then I discovered that you had a pregnant girlfriend and everything made sense. Before even meeting me in person, you had chosen me to be the side chick. You never had any intention of loving me. You already had her. This discovery hurt like hell. Why wasn't I worthy of love and commitment? What was wrong with me? I deserve love. Why did you pursue me? Why couldn't you have just left me alone? But at the same time, the discovery of a girlfriend made me realize it was never about me or what I did or didn't do. It was always about you. I could not have done anything differently to make you feel something for me. You had already decided the role I would play in your life before even meeting me. Fortunately, your girlfriend and I were able to connect and communicate via text. I was able to confirm that my instincts were right. Each time I thought something was off, it actually was. It felt good to realize that I wasn't crazy or paranoid. She was able to fill in the holes and answer questions that I've always had. This gave me a renewed confidence in my intuition. She also identified you as a narcissist, and that word has led me down a path of self-discovery. I thought I understood what a narcissist was, but I had no knowledge of covert narcissism until I started my research. I ran across a podcast and felt so relieved to hear other women's stories. I realized I wasn't alone. Then I started listening to the episodes where people talked about their narcissistic parents. This made me examine my own dysfunctional childhood, my alcoholic father's abusive behavior, narcissistic traits, and how my childhood made me the perfect target for a covert narcissist like you. I've learned about trauma bonding, and I'm starting to understand why it was so hard to let you go and why I kept coming back for more. Understanding trauma bonding has also given me compassion for my now-deceased mom. 
Growing up, I held so much anger for her. I didn't understand why she couldn't just leave my physically abusive father. I didn't comprehend the emotional abuse she was also suffering. Nor did I comprehend that even though my father never physically abused us kids, his emotional abuse carried over to us, and I developed a very unhealthy model for relationships. I thought love was supposed to be a struggle, and the push-pull dynamic seemed normal to me on some level. So thank you, NARC. Thank you for making me your side chick and inflicting just enough new damage to put me on this path of healing my childhood trauma. I will heal myself, and in doing so, will heal the intergenerational trauma of my deceased parents. I will heal myself to be a better parent to my children and prevent future generations of trauma. And I will heal myself to honor my dead brother who drank himself to death rather than face and heal his trauma. So as difficult as it has been to accept, you did come into my life for a reason. Thank you and best of luck to you and your new family. Please heal yourself too. Wow. Great letter. That one was excellent. Yeah. It's so... um it's so strong. Like, I like how she really drove the point home, like, that to find out about narcissism led her down her own path, like, to do with herself. Like, that's a really good way of looking at it, that it, like, opened up her eyes and allowed her to heal, you know? I think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to all of this stuff... And especially for people who have uh, didn't know that they came from maybe a family dynamic or haven't been able to put a finger on on certain things of why they do the things they do or why I chose this person. You know, it's not with everybody, but for a lot of people, you know, you're able to to trace back a lot of things once you start kind of doing the the, the research and. And putting, you know, connecting dots on certain things. Well, you know, I do this. Why do I do that? Well, let's kind of go mm-hmm. backwards. And, you know, sometimes it comes from an, an abusive situation. And then, you know, we've had episodes where, you know, it didn't come. Some of those things don't come from abusive situations. It just comes, you know, uh, it, you come from a good family and there's like an instilled belief in you and it's like a good belief but somehow sometimes it works against you and mm-hmm. you know um and you know one of those beliefs is just like you know it's just a simple one which is like you know mar- marriage is tough you got to stick it out it's a very simple non right. you know it's not a destructive belief but in some instances that power of that can can really throw you down a rabbit hole um and it's and it's so interesting in in that way because it's just one really simple belief but it's sometimes so powerful and we don't realize that and you know when we yeah. when we go backwards and you're able to kind of connect dots on certain things of how boundaries are broken and you know it, it becomes helpful and you know we all say that all these things are terrible but in the long run even though there are some there's some that are in the long run you know you really wish those things never happened but for a, a lot of people you know we become um stronger and um understanding ourselves is 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 that strength and knowing how we function and just being aware of everything and mm-hmm. and this person's letter is a, is a testament uh, to that. And, you know, you know, before, you know, as maybe not a lot of people know, you know, when we started to do this podcast and 
when I uh, talked to you on that fateful day, which is almost two years, uh, it's almost two years mm-hmm. to, to that day. We're, we're about a month away from that. Um, you know, I came in uh, doing that as uh, we were horsing around. And yeah. I was um, doing, uh, writing a humor book about this subject. And, you know, eventually that will get finished. And I'm thankful that it wasn't finished in in the sense I still had editing to do because I learned so much within that amount of time. And, you know, when I reimagine what the book is about, because it's still going to be relatively the same. For the most part, though, you know, what I wanted to accomplish or, or eventually accomplish is for people who are going to pick it up for the humor sense of it and, like, just read it as a comedy book to actually read the truthfulness uh, about a lot of the things that are underlying there and yeah. and be able to say to themselves, hold on one second. Like, that happened to me. And, you know, part of the mandate of, of, of that what I want to do with that book is for people that were never going to ever listen to this show to be able to look at read it and be like, hold on. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, I want people to not, who are not even searching for it to find those answers and right. just to stumble upon it. And, you know, that to me would be an amazing thing. I would be, I would be thrilled if that could happen. And, and, you know, this person's letter, I've made it all about me. I apologize. Uh, but this person's letter <laughs> is, is really an example of, you know, feeling very strong at the end of that letter, like a really strong um, and empowered by everything that's happened. Yeah. And I I think like, I just have one point, I guess. I think one thing that's really positive in the world of like trauma and like healing from childhood trauma is that we have this new sort of motto that you don't have to, be around your family if they are, you know, not treating you well and you don't have to stay with partners that aren't treating you well. Like, I think we've woken up a little bit and like those, some of those old traditions are sort of being reconsidered. Um, so I, I think she really drives that point home and sorry, I keep saying that, but <laughs> I think, uh, I like that. I like that she's pointed that out. All right. Um, so now we're going to do a uh, written letter that's going to be read by you. And as you noticed here, I gave you the long ones. <laughs> yeah. I like the long ones. Okay. So this one is called. It has the two. Uh, oh no, it has the two. Be- title, yeah, it just has the two beside it. I numbered them. Okay. It's pretty long, I think. So I hope you have a glass of water. (laughs) Okay. The tension is already palpable in the living room. This argument has been going on for days, and the roots of it are long forgotten. I feel my chest tightening and my jaw clenching as our voices are rising stronger once again to win the right to be listened to. All of my body is urging me to leave, to break free from that war zone. As I make my move towards the exit, he jumps up to block the door. Time slows down. While he is yelling at me, I see the words coming out of him in the form of a hurricane. His face is all red and his eyes furious. In a moment of lucidity, my mind tells me that this is not love. This is not what a normal loving relationship is supposed to be like. This revelation imprints me. 
Magically, his words don't penetrate me anymore. They brush over me like water on dust feathers. My sudden new perception is acting like a shield over my whole body. It is protecting me against his abusive words. It can't hurt me anymore. My brain is alert, and I see clearly for the first time in too long. I am not crazy. He is. My heart is racing. My muscles are tense, and my vision is sharp. I feel deeply alive. The side of me still holds my fear and is telling me that it is unsafe to fight back, but my anger is stronger. The dam of my compassion and tolerance for him has fractured in so many places already. His blow is the one that creates a flood of anger to submerge my whole body. My whole self is under attack, and a power that I didn't know existed in me is now in charge. My instincts are waking up. I kick him strongly between his legs, and I surprise myself. He bends down and calls me crazy once more. His words are recorded in my brain but are not taken into account. While he is crunched on the ground, I run as fast as possible into the darkness. I run and I hide in a nearby forest to catch my breath. Slowly, my vision gets accustomed to the dark, and I follow a path that will lead me to safety. The forest is quiet and vast. I'm not scared. The chill of the night wraps around my naked arms. The flow of adrenaline into my blood gives me the feeling of being totally in control. It is exhilarating. I stay still in the forest for most of that night in peaceful stillness. My brain races through the sequences of events that lead me here. I think about that powerful burst of energy when my whole self said, enough of this. I now see differently. My sight has been sharpened through the evening. I see the pattern of abuse, and once it is seen, it cannot be unseen. Thank you for breaking me the way you did. It showed me the part in me that could never be broken because this is who I profoundly am. Thank you for using the most vulnerable space in me. After I broke, it was clearly in my face as never before. You showed me the way to my childhood wounds. Thank you for all these new understandings about myself and about life. What a brain challenge this is. I wish I could say I have compassion for you and that I wish you good. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I'm sure it's going to come in time, but mostly at the moment, I would be satisfied to see you fall again. Thank you deeply for all the learnings, and fuck you. (laughs) Well, great. That was great. You, you got a giggle. You didn't expect that ending. No, I, I didn't. No, yeah, you didn't. had a little giggle at the end. You didn't. You didn't expect it. <laughs> and you know, this letter sums up a couple of things. You know that we've already you know kind of discussed today when it comes to mm-hmm. compassion. Um, and, and something that we had a, I think it was in the Vienna episode. A couple weeks ago, which I thought was a really important thing in, in the Vienna episode where we discussed uh, patterns in, I think it was Vienna. Uh, shout out to Vienna. Um, she did my natal chart, so thank you. And, um, you know, she discussed patterns and how we don't really, you know, you can have all the red flags in the world. But until you see things forming as a pattern, so like three times, four mm-hmm. times, then you really don't recognize that, okay, this is a cycle. This is, a, you know, it's hard to, yeah. you know, we can say so many times to to anyone like, oh, here are the red flags, here are the red flags, always watch for the red flags. But, you know, yeah. until you recognize things as a pattern, 
And that's happening, you know, within a relationship with someone else doing something to you, but also with yourself, you know, um, you know, that to me, that was a really important lesson in something, um, you know, why I love, uh, you know, uh, our episodes, because I'm still learning. And that's another thing, you know, for, mm-hmm. for everyone to to learn from. So this person's uh, letter sums up a lot of things. And I just want to thank uh, this person for sending it in. And do you have any more thoughts about this one? I just, um, I really liked the line of, you know, leading her to her childhood wounds. Again, that's something where we've discussed a few times, and I think that's really interesting. Like, just, you know, my mom always say this line to me, and it got annoying, but it's really true. It's like some people teach you what you don't want in life or what you don't need. And I think that's, like, very important because it does lead you to, good things so you know what you're willing to tolerate and what you're not i just really like that that line too yeah and you know when it comes to like what you're willing to tolerate i i think about that uh a lot and i remember when i was doing you know uh this show and uh, someone came in to help me, who's been a guest on our show, who was, who was Billy Jean. And Billy Jean gave me uh, homework to do uh, for the show. And it had to do with, you know, what is the show? What is the show's values? What is the show's, like, uh, morals? What is the show's um, personality? And I was filling mm-hmm. out all, all of these things. And uh, so when I was done, I gave it to her to, to look over. And, and she says... You know, whatever doesn't fit into this, you throw it away. Like, don't even go there. Right. And I was like, well, that's really interesting that, like, branding is is the same as you as a human being. Like, what is your brand? What is your brand values? It's the same thing for you. And, like, whatever doesn't fit, like, no, don't do that, you know. and so, That's really interesting. Yeah. So, uh, to me, it was really sure. fascinating doing that. Like, I think everyone should like take give be given branding questions you know and be like what is your brand if it doesn't fit your brand or what you want to be then you know toss it away maybe we should make some sort of program like that that that's a really really interesting idea i've never heard something explained that way and i feel like i'm sort of going through that in my own life right now where it's like you know, my job is my brand, but the guy I'm working for goes against, like, everything inside me. So it's like this moral dilemma. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, a, that's a really cool idea. I'm going to give you the of, same like, homework. I'm going to give you the same homework I was given for the show then. Okay. And we'll see what happens. I'm excited. Okay. All right. So that was that letter. Now we're going to go back to some audio ones and we have no idea what's going to show up next i know there's a wrap in here somewhere i don't know which one it is um and but we're going to go in order as as they came in and so up next is uh 902 okay are you ready i'm ready hey brandon it's Uh, In quotations, Brenda, I told you about a poem that I had framed when I was going through my discard period that really resonated with me, and I think it would resonate with a lot of your listeners. It's called Unstoppable, and it's by John Mark. He tried to cage you 
and continue, drain you of your worth, beat you down to nothing with relentless fists of words. He tried to control and desole you, but you are resilient. Bamboo to a storm, bending but not breaking, now taking back your true form. Courage building like a tsunami, ready to lay waste to his city of empty promises. You will rise above his shallow ruins like the moon in all her fullness, free and beautiful, so luminous. His hungry night tried to devour you, but you made your own light, which darkness could not swallow. He is hollow and aimless, but you carry life hidden within, a seedling growing skyward toward the sun of better things. His heart is salted earth, his body a walking mausoleum. He loves control and fears freedom, mistaking intimidation for true power and captivity for devotion. Devoid of emotion, he is dead inside, and he wanted to bury you within him in a graveyard of lies. But you will rise, you will shine, you will. You are so much more powerful than him. This just speaks to the volume of how I feel, like how, as victims, we lose ourselves when we're with these people and how they control us and how 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 much we really lose ourselves being with these people eight almost nine months free of this person and I thought with them I was gonna die and I feel like without them I was gonna die and there were some pretty dark days during this nine month period but I'll tell ya I'm glad that I fought every single day. Every single day I'd wake up and it was craziness. I don't know how I made it through, but I did. And we have to keep fighting because these people are everywhere. I just want to say thanks so much for the opportunity to speak with you today. And I hope that my story, this poem, whatever it is, I hope that it can help some of the people that are going through this because it truly is a difficult situation. Love you guys. Take care and keep sharing your stories. It helps others. I I just have like so much love for this person to like, take the time to share something like this poem and sort of have that little footnote there afterwards. Um, yeah, that was, that was great. That was an amazing poem Mm -hmm. too. And again, it comes back to the stuff that we've discussed today, uh, especially with the first song, uh, of the day when it came to the pool party, which is, you know, you don't want this person in your life, but there's still this other part of you that still has this, you know, that bond that's still attached to them in, in some way that we're all working on, um, you know, getting rid of. And it's not an easy thing mm-hmm. to do to get rid of that um, the trauma bond and cutting it for good and having it not affect you or... Um, you know, kind of going forward, it's, it's, it's the most difficult thing to do. Some people actually, you know, it's easy for them, but, um, you know, most of 
the, uh, most of the people have the biggest time uh, cutting it for good. So um, I just want to thank that uh, person for uh, sending it in. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I'm reminded of my parents' breakup song, which is the U2 song. I don't know if this is the title, but Can't Live With or Without You. Uh, yeah, that, can't uh, live with uh, that song. Uh, I think in in Friends, um, everything comes back to the show Friends. I think when Ross and Rachel break up, I think like some maybe Ross is like in the windowsill or something, and like that song. Yes. is <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, no, I yeah, it's uh, it just sums up like breaking up and. Um, yeah, the other line I just really liked about that poem, and I, I, um, I'd love to get the name of the uh, the writer again, but the they mistake captivity for devotion. I thought that was really, really heavy and something I never really heard before. But I think it really hits home for the way. Well, that these types of people that, that, treat that, the other people. Yeah, I'm sorry, for, oh man, I'm the worst. I was just trying to interrupt no. you at every second, and I was like, bah, bah, bah. Um, like Brandon, oh let God. her finish, but my mouth kept on going. So, <laughs> so what happened uh, there is, you know, we discussed it on the show sometimes, which is uh, when it comes to love and caregiving and showing someone you care, there's always this thing about caregiving that's disguised as a love. And and in that line of of captivity, someone that maybe wants to take care of you, be in the home with them, you know, um, you know, text me, you know, uh, you got to text me where you ever going. I'm going to miss you. I want to know you're safe. And, you know, Mm -hmm. in some instances for some people, that's a reality of like, there really are concerned. But then in these instances, you know, that's a form of control and it's a form of captivity and that you're living in this prison that the other person is creating for you, keeping you always in touch and all these things till eventually they don't even have to ask you to do these things anymore because you're automatically doing them. You've created, you know, Mm -hmm. you've been programmed to do all these things and, um, all of a sudden, you know, you're always keeping in touch. You're like, oh my God, I better keep in touch. And it makes you nervous. It gives you hypervigilance. It yeah. gives you anxiety. And that's the, yeah. that's the captivity that's kind of being described there. And it's, uh, disguised as caring and it's disguised as love. And it's a very confusing thing. It is a mixed, mm-hmm. uh, completely mixed message. That is a manipulative message. And really starts playing with the anxiety in you and the guilt in you. And it's a really bad spot to be in. So whoever's listening to this is going through that or is listening to this and has never or hasn't put it, been able to put two and two together about that's kind of what's going on with them. That's what's going on with you right now. If you're dealing with that mm-hmm. right now, it's not a good thing. So yeah. um, thank you to uh, this person uh, again for sending in that and us being able to kind of point that out and thank you for pointing that little bit out <laughs> yeah oh yeah that was a that was a really good one i i appreciate that person taking the time to share that with us and i think up next we're doing another audio one um and i guess we would click on nine fourteen. 
I'm waiting for the wrap to show up. I don't know when it's going <laughs> to be. So surprise. We'll, we'll find out. So are you ready? going to click it? Yep, I'm ready. Here we go. I thought I had pulled the winning lottery ticket with you. You would make me feel so loved, so beautiful, needed, and wanted. I felt on top of the world. The dinner, lunch dates, the money you spent on gifts for me, the random flowers, the kinds of things that I had never experienced. Little did I know that all those things would later result in me selling my soul. All those things would come with small remarks, like your ex-husband didn't do these things. Isn't it nice to have new appliances? When's the last time you had new appliances? I gave up loving myself to have you in my life. I lay broken on the floor with tears in my eyes, begging you to treat me better, to just show me love and kindness, but you didn't care. A loving, kind person would have offered a hand to help someone up. Not you. You stepped right over my brokenness. All the times you treated me poorly, and I would ask you if someone had treated your daughter the same way that you had just treated me, how you would feel, and you replied with, well, maybe she deserves it. This is how your brain works. You don't have a heart, just a brain that is malfunctioning at all times. A brain that believes because you spend money, that shows love. A brain that believes because you were so abused as a child, that's your excuse for shitting on others. The hurt and anger towards your mother controls you more than you know. It spills into every aspect of your life. You claim it doesn't affect you, but your lack of closeness and relationships to anyone in the real world speaks your real truth. You spoil your child with gifts because that is love. I used to feel sympathy for your awful childhood. That has dissipated long ago. I can no longer feel sympathy for you. If I feel sympathy for you, that only ends in me enabling you to treat me like I am less than. As I look back at our time together, I don't look back or see the good things. I have to remind myself of how cold and cruel you actually are, how manipulative you are. Things like your birthday cake, you won't remember it because you never do, but I remember it like it was yesterday. I spent all day making that cake to surprise you. I put it in the fridge along with your birthday card. So when you open the fridge while I was at work, you would be surprised and think that I had been thoughtful. Instead, I was surprised by a phone call from you yelling at me how rude it was that I never gave you the cake in person, telling me that that cake would be left in the fridge untouched because of my actions. After the rage-filled call, I posted the picture of your cake on Facebook, making a joke about how horribly I had decorated it with me not being a baker and all. You then had to comment to show everyone how grateful you were and how I was such an awesome girlfriend and invited everyone over to enjoy that very cake. I thought perhaps that this was, in some sick, twisted way, your way of apologizing. But no, it wasn't. I got home to discover that you were true to your word about not eating it. Three days later, you eventually had a piece of cake, but that card sat unopened in the fridge for three months before I finally threw it out. Then the time that I did my hair and makeup, posting a selfie on Facebook about loving myself, others had liked and hearted this very picture. There was your comment, yes, and she's all mine, with a great big heart. When I walked through the door, I was met with your insecure questions of who I had dressed up for, only for you to tell me that I was acting like an 18-year-old slutty bimbo. Once I felt ashamed, I went and changed into my ratty old sweatpants. 
later you had apologized. And when you took me out for supper that night, you asked me to put on that very same outfit that you had just shamed me for wearing. I lived in constant confusion. You made the choice to end us and I will forever be grateful to you for your choice. I knew that I needed to leave, but you had broken me down so badly I could not find the strength to leave on my own. I would have stayed trying again, dying even a little more. Your decision gave me no choice but to move on. All those things you have, that house that I so nicely decorated and designed, your truck, all those material things, those are all replaceable. Love and connection with people, those are not. Thank you for letting me go. Thank you for making me realize that I do deserve so much more than you. I'm free, I'm strong, and I'm doing it on my own, and I will find love unlike you. Oh, I think this is the same person as the last, um, the last one. I think so. And um, I just, I got to say, like, the gratitude that is so present in all of these is just incredible. It's such a strong way of telling a story, just to be grateful that, you know, they're, they've come through it. And I feel like that's been another big theme here. No, I, I I also, like, my heart was breaking, like, you know, when she was telling those stories, those, those like, little kind of moments of just sheer, like, somebody just shaming you, you know, for basically trying to be a good person. It's just, like, it's crazy. It's when you hear somebody tell those stories, it's just like, how can you do that to another person? You know? Well, the line that sums everything up is, uh, you stepped right over my brokenness. I love that line. Yeah, that is a good line. And also, um, if I was enabling you, then I would be less thin, which I was, thought was a really interesting line. Mm-hmm. You know, enabling their behavior, enabling all those things. And then it all comes back down to the interesting uh, thing about money and how some people, you know, throw money at things um, from, you know, uh, in relationships to parents thinking, if I throw money at something, it's going to fix these things. This mm-hmm. is how I, this is how I know what love is. And, you know, as they say, or the old cliche goes, you know, the best things in, in life are free. So, yeah. Um, as cliche, that's as cliche as we're going to uh, get, but it's the, it's the truth. <laughs> so, uh, again, thank you to, uh, this person who also sent in, in, in their poem and, and this letter. So a uh, big mm-hmm. thank you from, uh, yeah. from both of us. And now, um, I think we're going back to the, the letters, the, uh, audio letters. All right, we're going to be clicking on 918. Okay. And because I already listened to the beginning of this with that one little click, get ready for the rap. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yep. Go. Every day is getting closer to your exposure. I want a front seat to witness a broken joker. The one thing he can't control is time. He's getting older. Egomaniac. Can I have my ego back? Oh, that's right. He doesn't have one, though. He copied that. I had a target on my back. Wasn't wearing narc vision, so I didn't see the psychopath. 
hit me hard with the love bomb heart attack. All the right words, gifts, love, tension, and cash. The best horizon was in my forecast. He didn't ask if I wanted to be a cast member of the show. You bogus bozo. And I should have known the red flag that you flown. But my addiction had already grown. So it didn't matter. The warning signs glowed. I believe the future faking promises a tomorrow. Dr. Evil, you fix people? No one likes a rig game. Take off your mess and see the demon. It's Groundhog Day for you. Stalk, catch a lie, hurt treason. Oh, yeah, you never have an off-season. I'm not going to pretend to diagnose you, but your diagnosis is you're the grandiosis. You are a parasite. I was the host that fed lies for supplies in my presence, just osmosis, a leech that sucks the life out of people, turn them to a zombie. They don't even know it. Sick of statements, boasted and braggadocious, name drop, better pick them back up. I didn't care to know them. You make so much money, but I... I paid the postage. You're a terrible liar. I read you like I read a posted. You might have had me under hypnosis, but I'm not stupid. And you know this. I know you'll never have accountability, but I'm going to account for all the things you did to me. I can say it. I'll be censored by the SEC. If people knew who you were, they'd hang you publicly. You think that I wouldn't figure out activity, lying compulsively, thinking cunningly. Your whereabouts were seen publicly. Then you just turned around and lied to me. Point, game, set, match. Just escaped your death grasp. Gaslit, you got hit with the flames meant for me. From the back draft, narcissistic collapse. What you think about that? They make some great cover up for your fake fallen mask. Okay, that was fucking amazing. That was your best one yet. So good. That was her best one yet. She rhymed stuff that shouldn't have rhymed. <laughs> Some pretty big words. Like, that's difficult to rhyme. Yeah. That was, that was really, really cool. So this person just needs to get a record deal. Well, we've had, I think that's the fourth uh, song uh, that we've done uh, from her. So that's an EP right there. That's four song EP. It's amazing, yeah. So uh, thank you to that person. Uh, you know who you are. We've emailed before, and let's see. Um, up next, we're gonna do another audio. Nine twenty two. Okay. Ready? Yep. Go. To his ex before me. Why didn't you tell me? Run. You saw my face. I saw yours. That night at the bar. I could feel the anxiety just pour off of him when he saw you. The things he said about you. I'm sorry for believing any of them. Why didn't you mouth the words? No. Don't do it. He's toxic. I think everyone who comes in contact has an idea. He's been poisoned by all the trauma of his ancestors, his mom, 
the nurse who infected him. He survived. One out of five. He is a god. Maybe a demon. And I loved him. And I cannot be with him. Ever. It was abuse. I was miserable. Just like before. But different. You could have saved me months of my life. All of that energy. Even though... That's not your responsibility. Maybe he had you believing you were the problem, like I did, for a while. Now I'm the ex. Thank goodness I finally woke up. Now I wonder, when I see his new victim, what do I tell her? That person had a really captivating way of speaking. Very. Like, I just got drawn in right away. It was like, whoa. Very, uh, yeah, really intriguing. Are you a god or a demon? Yeah. Amazing line. So, you know, with this letter, you know, it comes to the like question that a lot of people have do you tell the other the new person what's going on um mm-hmm. you know should have some should someone have told you uh and you know that's a question so many people deal with of how to handle things sometimes you know most of the time people will ignore you know because they're already told that you're crazy and they won't believe you and there have been some instances where you know um when you do start telling the other person that this is what that person's like, it feeds into the abuser's narrative about you, which maybe sometimes works against the person who's already there. Uh, as, right. as we've had in stories, in a story recently, I forget which one it was, where, um, you know, giving the warnings uh, worked against, uh, sorry, the person was warned in a way. And it just made the ex look crazier. Um, uh, and it kind of worked against it. It reinforced what the, the, the toxic uh, narcissist was saying to them. So, there, you know, obviously a good thing can happen beforehand, but it also can work against. Um, and But for the most part, whoever is being told, you know, is most likely not going to listen. Mm-hmm. Which is the unfortunate part, but everyone's in a trance, so it's impossible to break the tractor beam. Exactly. And you just said it right there. She sounded almost trance-like when she was speaking, um, which was really interesting. Yeah. So now we are on to a uh, written letter, and you're up. Okay, this is a long one, but I'm I'm ready for it. You like how I gave you the long one? <laughs> okay. You, can I say something? That was pl- yeah. that was planned. That was planned. Yeah, yeah that was. I was yeah. I was a jerk. I was like, I'm going to give her these really long uh, letters to read. <laughs> yeah. So if you're writing a letter to us. Uh, and you want me to read it, just make it really four long. pages long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
do you get do, okay. you, do you have your water with you? <laughs> I do. Okay, I do. good. You're gonna need it. It is hard to believe this December marks five incredible years since we decided to cut you and your toxic family out of our lives. I still remember the day as if it were yesterday, sitting in a courtroom feeling anxious, nervous, and excited. We had never had to appear in court or have a lawyer, but your abuse always put us in unfamiliar territory. I was so proud of my hubby for finally standing up for himself and his family. That is the reason I felt excitement. I knew this was the start of a beautiful new life for us. You robbed us of so many magical moments, and this would be the last time we allowed you to torment and abuse us. December 2nd, 2015 will always be the day that took our lives back. We took our power back. You broke this generational curse that your family has been enabling for decades. I don't really have the energy to go through every single awful thing you have done to me since your son and I began dating in 2011. I am healed from that. I find myself in prayer for you quite often, especially after our daughter was born. It was no secret that you and your family did not like me. Unfortunately, no one ever taught you guys that you can just be quiet if you can't be nice. I'm not writing this to begin an argument. I'm writing this to answer the questions that you and your family always ask us leading up to our decision to go full no contact with you all. It is a shame that if you cut out the narc, you also have to cut out the enabling flying monkeys. My husband lost his entire family. Thankfully, mine stepped up and stepped in, and he has learned how to be loved without condition. Why? Why can't we get along? Why can't we see the baby? Why can't he bring the baby over without you? Why don't you love us? So many times you have asked us why during the first year of our sweet daughter's life. Honestly, things were tolerable for the first few months. We established healthy boundaries, and being the narcissist that you are, you pushed them. You pushed every single boundary we put in place. Every parenting choice we made, you mocked. You constantly reminded us that we were new parents and that you, your husband and your daughter, a daycare worker with no children of her own, knew better than we did. We walked to your house three times a week, and it was never enough, even if we did five. You would have the audacity to tell me our child would be fucking retarded if we exclusively breastfed for six months. That fight in October of 2015 is the one that broke this camel's back. Everything leading up to that night I could deal with. Every time you would beg for our daughter to spend the night, knowing I had no, not pumped milk, saying we can just give her formula, she will be fine, I couldn't let it roll. Every time you would have a tantrum because our daughter needed to eat and you were only able to hold her for 30 minutes, I could let it roll. Every time you told us you would take her on a field trip for the rotavirus vaccine, which we had to decline since it almost killed my hubby as a child, I could let it roll. Every time I would tell you the baby was asleep and to please not get her out of her bed or swing and you would get her and smile while you directly ignored my request, I could let it roll. Every time you complained that my parents saw our daughter more, even though they lived almost a thousand miles away, I could let it roll. Every time you stared at me in disgust while I fed my daughter, I could let it roll. Every time you would tell me I couldn't handle being a wife and a mother, I could let it roll. Every time you said I didn't take enough pictures of you guys with her, even though I have albums full, I could let it roll. Every time you would put up a 
snide post or comment on Facebook to make them seem that we kept her from you. I could let it roll. Every time you would purposely pin my husband against me for an argument, I could let it roll. But that night in 2015, when you told me our girl was going to be fucking retarded, was the last straw for me, and your son knew it. That was the first like, big blowout we had since our daughter was born. I did my best to stay respectful since you are my husband's mother, but damn, you crossed every line that night. You told me that you wished my father had died when he had his heart attack the month after our daughter was born. You told me I was a horrible mother and wife. You told me I was a cunt, which you did quite often before our daughter was born, but it seemed to stop once she was born, and that nobody in your family liked me. You told me my hubby hated me. You told me I shouldn't even have a child because I'm so horrible. You told me our baby girl would be fucking retarded if we continued to breastfeed and not introduce any real food or cereal. Wow. I can remember having you on speakerphone and my hubby just staring at me waiting for me to flip out. I knew your game by then. I knew you wanted me to lose my cool. I knew you wanted me to come out of my character and scream at you. Instead, I stayed calm. I took a few deep breaths and told you you were nuts and asked what kind of person speaks like this. My husband took the phone from my hands and went outside to finish the conversation while I cared for a baby. I had no idea this would be the normal. Him on the phone with you and our flying monkeys for... Sorry, him on the phone with you and your flying monkeys for hours every night while I took care of our sweet girl, who thankfully was too young to even see the mess around her. In true narc fashion, you manipulated your son, as per usual, and convinced him in order to heal from this fight, we needed to go to dinner. I told him I could really use a few days to heal, and he told me no. He told me, that's my family, and I need both of my families to get along so we will go. So we did. I put all of my hurt aside, and we went and ate chicken and salad and bread as if you did not rip me to shreds 24 hours prior. I remember after dinner, you hugged me and said, we may be fucked up, but this is love. I was repulsed. This is the farthest thing from love. This is abuse. We were blessed within a few weeks of peace before the next eruption. We had always told you to come over anytime you want, which you never really did, except in November when you and your husband showed up intoxicated at 9.30 p.m. My hubby had worked an extra shift that day, so he had just come home and crawled into bed. A baby girl was also down for the night. I was on day three of no shower and was going to pump quickly and jump in the shower. Then you called. We are downstairs. Can you let us in? I explained that everyone was in bed, and you rudely told me, oh, so much for that open invitation. I knew I had to let you in or deal with a tantrum later. Of course, hubby and her daughter woke up at the sound of your loud voice carrying on about how I didn't take enough pictures of you on Halloween and we didn't get you a nice enough birthday gift, and how the three hours we spent with you was not sufficient. Your son kindly asked you to leave. Even your husband tried to get you to stop talking and leave. Obviously, whatever you were trying to do was not working, and your husband could tell that my husband was not happy about this visit. We all know my feelings do not matter, but you start to piss him off. You knew there were consequences. You were crying and carrying on so dramatically it was making all of us nervous. And you were walking past me to the door. You asked if you could kiss the baby bye. I sternly said no. You were covered in tears and screaming. Of course I'm not going to let you near my baby. You screamed in my face. You'll find me hanging, you bitch. Our landlord had to call the police and my husband had to grab you and get you away from the baby and me. 
We had dealt with your empty suicide threats in the past numerous times, but things are different when there's a baby involved. Thankfully, after that night, my hubby thought it would be a good idea to take some time and go low contact. We decided to spend Thanksgiving in New Hampshire to give ourselves a little break from our surroundings. We were honestly so exhausted from those two battles with you that we needed to recharge. I'm grateful that we took that time to strengthen our relationship instead of letting it drive a wedge between us. After Thanksgiving, hubby had to travel for two weeks with work and the baby, and I headed to my parents' house in South Carolina for the duration of this trip. We had hoped after a few weeks of low contact, we could start fresh and build a new healthy relationship. We were skeptical, but we were also hopeful. We went to your therapist, and it was not helpful. Two straight hours of you telling me what an awful person I am, exhausting. You also felt the need to call my mother and tell her what an awful job she did raising me. Nice. Why can't we get along? Why can't we see the baby? Why don't you love us? I hope that answers those questions. It was a blessing when January 2015 started and hubby decided he didn't want anything to do with you anymore. Ripping up that Christmas gift we made for you was a real shock to his system and he really realized that nothing we do will ever be right or good enough for you. We had almost three wonderful months of peace and quiet before you started your shenanigans. False calls to DCYF to report our malnourished child. False police reports claiming that we were on drugs and our child was in danger. Fake Facebook accounts trying to accuse us of starving our daughter and keeping her locked in a room. You tried for several weeks to find a, a way to take our daughter from us. You did not care who you hurt in the process. I was thankful our pediatrician took the time out of her day to sit with you and explain to you that our daughter is perfectly healthy and the reason you can't see her is because you have no respect for us and our boundaries. The pediatrician's notes actually say they, Mill and Phil, have recently been forbidden to see patient as they are so judgmental that it has put stress on the family's relationship. Sorry, that means mother-in-law and father-in-law, I just realized Finger-pointing, aggressive and rude comments made, especially by the mother-in-law towards the mother. A few more months of peace, and then in true narc fashion, instead of just calling and asking what our plans are for our daughter's first birthday, you, your husband, and your daughter decided to stalk your son and follow him to the point of him calling the cops, which came a little too late, and you had already physically attacked him and did several severe damage to his truck. Wow. I don't know anyone who could do this to their own child. You also threatened to kill me, so a 30-day order of protection was placed on the three of you for our safety. We formulated what our next move needed to be. We knew we weren't safe this close to you. My hubby attempted more family therapy, but even the therapist could see that you were not well and just wanted to control him and take our child. We had until December to figure out what we were going to do. We already knew you would lie in court because you could never remember the hurtful things you do. Narc amnesia. So we put the plan in place that we would move undercover after court was over. We were successful, and that was the day our lives became so much better. Why was the question you had constantly asked us after every big fight from 2011 to 2015. These are some of the reasons why. I truly hope this can clarify it for you. 
I know that you deny doing these things and you make up things that I have done so you can play the victim. I am appreciative that we were smart enough to record your tantrums. Eventually, our daughter will have questions and we have the answers, even the uncomfortable ones. I am whole and healed and thankful for my journey. It is a shame that you have missed out on so much. Your son as a father is one of the best parts of my life and you are missing it. Our daughter is six now. You haven't seen her since she was 10 months old. You, are, you have missed so much. She is so smart and beautiful and incredible. Our family has grown in so many ways, and you have missed it. You missed it. All you ever had to do was sit down and be quiet and love your son enough to tolerate me, but you could not do that. I remember him asking you to apologize to me when we first decided to go low contact just to make peace, and you said... No, she's a fucking cunt, and I fucking hate her. I know that sometimes being held accountable feels like an attack when you don't want to acknowledge your toxic behavior, but all we ever wanted you to do was apologize for the damage you had done and own it. You pushed your only son right out the door with your negativity and your intolerance and blatant disrespect for his wife and for him. I still pray for you. There are many times that I think back to the situation and wonder what could have been done differently. I know the answer is nothing. It is a shame that you got in your own way, but I am thankful for our life now and for the family we have built. I will continue to pray for you and hope you get the help you so desperately need. Well, um, that is... um that's an interesting letter. Just, be, you know, I'm screwing up everything I'm saying. That is, so, I, I mean, with this one, I, you really live uh, this letter in, in the sense of, like, you, you know, you get the real sense of how despicable uh, mm-hmm. the, the mother-in-law is here in ruling the roost and how impossible the situation is. It's an impossible situation. There's only one way to go and you know the daughter-in-law here is um uh, obviously the the biggest um uh target for the mother-in-law it puts the son who has uh never dealt with the situation right in the middle and it forces him to um do something and, and make the change mm-hmm. that maybe his whole entire life he wasn't ready to do. And it took uh, the situation for uh, that to happen. So, uh, you know, you're happy for the family to to get away from them. So uh, thank you for this person because I know there are a lot of people who are dealing with this right now and having a very difficult yeah, time. And it drives the, the husband and wife possibly apart, you know, because sometimes the partner isn't mm-hmm. ready to, um, you know, they're too scared to do, to, to yeah. do the breakaway. So, um, thank you for, uh, sharing this letter. Cause I know that's going to be helpful for a lot of people, uh, dealing with the exact same thing right now. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that will help a lot of people with the whole idea of no contact. And, um, I also like the way she sort of, she framed it as an answer to this person's questions, but I think it also was her way of, processing everything that happened and like putting it down in, in writing, especially like the specific things that were said to her, which was awful and said about her daughter. But 
I'm hoping that, you know, it was cathartic for that person to just get it on paper and then be done with it. Because that's sort of the way it felt. Very much so. And um, now we are going to go to, do you want to do the last, uh, we'll do the last written letter and then we'll do the last um, audio, which is after. Is that a good way to do it? Finish off with an audio? Sounds good. All right, and I'm going to read this letter. Why? Because it's a shorter one. <laughs> All right. Oh, this one's going to be a different tone. A letter to my narcissist's mistress. It took me many years to realize that I might not be the only woman in his life. He hid it very, very well. It took many more years for me to grieve the man you decided to take on as your own while he was still married to me. I'm sure you had many good times together while I was sitting at home with his kids and he was spending most of his nights with you. At my sickest, I view my marriage to him as an illness now. I was just glad when he walked in the door after four or five nights with you. He would almost immediately start calling me a cunt or bitch me out for any little infraction he could find in the moment. Yet I felt relief when he would reappear for a while until his abuse got to be too much. He treated me like I was his mother, a mother he could abuse emotionally, financially, mentally, and even physically. Gave me a black eye by beating me with my own cell phone last year while he gave you his best fake self. I am not sure if you were the same mistress he took to Pretty Woman at the Outdoor Amphitheater seven years ago, but I assume you are because he now lives in a house in the same town as that amphitheater. I found the ticket stubs for that one. Around Christmas that year, I also found the romantics receipt for Jingle Bell nipple clamps, which I'm imagining kind of hurt. Not surprising he'd give you that gift because he's a sadist who pretends that type of thing would be a giant turn-on for you, but he really enjoys your pain and his own edginess more than anything. He lied and told me that they were a misplaced gift for me. I knew better, and I was glad that they went to you, frankly. I'm sure he told you I was crazy and a liar cheater because he enjoys being a kind-hearted victim who was always being hurt and abandoned. I'm certain he gained your trust and sympathy, and I was a demon from hell who he was trapped until he could finally be free to marry you. This year I found out about your international vacation together last fall. Yep, he left the boarding passes with your name sitting right next to him on his flight, and I found them. I'm not sure why this bitch slapped me so hard, but I guess having your name and someone I could research kind of shocked me out of my 29-year trance-like state and set me on the new course in my life. I decided in January that he's all yours now. The hard part is that you already know he's a proven cheater and a pathological liar. That's how you got to start your life during these COVID times together. Good luck with that. I thank God every day that he's stuck at your house and not mine. He used to have a place to go when he was done with you and wanted to play family guy for a little bit. I know he has at least two phones he pays for and one work phone. I also know that he was trying to hook up with someone in his hometown over Thanksgiving when he was married to me and fucking you. So we weren't, uh, so we weren't not alone. 
this surprise actually made me feel somewhat better about your relationship because he's already been cheating on you too. Some of his bills are still coming to my house, which is how I know about the extra phone. He'd probably, he'd probably like me to pay for them all and hide them from you. Also, he doesn't work in real life. Sure, he landed a good job last year, which is why he finally got the balls to think he could escape his boring-ass American dream life with a wife who uh, worked her ass off so he could get a master's degree in Scotland to better himself and finally work with two kids and a couple of dogs and a huge house I bought by working for the past 29 years to support his dreams. Yeah, he got most of my 401k, but I don't owe that deadbeat alimony, which he thought he was going to get. And... I know he won't work while he's spending all of my 401k money that I also save for us, but it's all yours now, and so is he. Best money I ever spent, though. I'm free. I imagine you are now getting a taste of the miserable wretch that he really is. I know he misses his kids and his house and his dog, and I'm certain he misses the hell out of me because I was the Golden Goose Foundation from which he could perform all of his fucked up shenanigans, and I gave him freedom and zero responsibility or ownership of anything because he trained me so well and had me believing the team approach to life. Only he was the coach and I was the team. He's probably starting to tell you uh, that his back hurts constantly now, which he also said to me when he stopped wanting to have sex with me, and that the chronic back pain was all my fault, all while he was having an affair with you. Well, karma is a complete bitch. Best of luck to both of you. That one was really cool, like just the way that it was addressed to this new person. Um, I thought that was a really cool way of, of telling her story. Uh, again, it, you know, it's, you know, someone who's uh, happy that that life is over and mm-hmm. uh, is going to be moving on and sees them uh, for who they are. And, you know, sometimes the, the biggest helper for someone in these situations is, you know, you know that your partner is cheating on you with someone else and, and initially you're really angry with that other person, but then you see that there's an even other person that mm-hmm. that, that person doesn't see. So, you know, in, in a way you're like, you know, eventually whatever trance that person is, maybe they'll come out of it, you know, cause sometimes everyone in these situations are in these trance-like states because of the toxic narcissist and the, and the love bombing. And, you know, once you kind of see that this is not just someone else to blame and that there's another person and then there's possibly another person, then you really start to see like, this is just the pattern of, of their life and it's best for me to leave. And it's the good thing that I'm gone. Yeah, Exactly. Also, I don't know if this is intentional, but the tone is kind of funny in this letter. Like, the kind of run-on part at the end where she, like, she's, like, with a wife who worked her ass off so he could get a master's degree in Scotland to better himself. Like, I, I did my best to try and get that badass. in without having to take a breath. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know if she was trying to be funny, but there's some funny lines in here, like, Around Christmas that year, I also found the romantic receipt for Jingle Bell nickel coins. Yes, nipple yes. Coins. <laughs> like, so good. Hopefully, so, I did that letter justice. Thanks for that one. The, the longer letters are hard to read. I don't know how you did the other one. I, 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 yeah, it was getting a little hard, but it was so interesting. So, 
was I was happy to. And I should have taken it. my own advice at the beginning when I said to you before we started the call, you better drink some water. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I have no water right next to me. I could have used it right about now. So, uh, so thank you to that person for sending in it. And now we have our last uh, audio uh, letter of the day. And uh, I have no idea what it is, but we will find out. It says it's 2.9 uh, megabytes, so it might be closer to the five-minute mark. But when you are ready. And what what is yours say? 1010. Uh, yes. Okay, perfect. So Travis Barker's I'm number ready. one fan. Click ready. <laughs> okay. Um, my name, and I just wanted to send you a letter that I wrote, um, to a person that I'd live with and that I'm in the process of leaving. And, um, so this is what I wrote to him. You have given me moments, some amazing moments, and I am so grateful. Then you gave me criticism, jokes, jabs, mocking, and silent treatments. Then you give me another moment, one of fabulous joy. Then you gave me a fight, a push and a pull, a slide, betrayal. Then another moment, one of pure ecstasy, followed by selfishness, control, and jealousy. Then you give me a sweet moment to be chased by daily criticism and reminders of my faults, letting me know how unlovable I am in your eyes, enough even to the service lab. I know there are more moments and words I could add to this list, but my point is that this roller coaster of emotions and moments have led me unstable, unsure, frozen, scared and sometimes horrified. The fun times are flashes that are followed by stomach aches and tears, from loud, genuine laughter to throw up, never knowing how or when will it end. You have told me everything about you. I have observed and learned you and tried to please you to gain your acceptance, which I chased daily for years until I didn't. But I feel like you don't know me. Not me anyway, not my mind, not my soul, not my story. But you should have let me know that you've noticed that I walk loud and that I laugh loud and I talk loud, that I think I'm smarter than I am, that I'm immature at my 60 years old, that I never stop talking, that I'm a great cook, that I take many pictures, too many of them, and that it takes me too long at the grocery store on my way home. That I argue when I disagree with you. That I really don't know anything but claim to know it all. That sometimes my hair smells like fish. That I choose the wrong car. And that my plans are not good for you. That 18 years as a girlfriend are becoming a little bit too much for you. That I'm great at pleasing you intimately, but you are not much into kissing me. What I also remember is you telling me often that I'm a good person. 
and that you love me. I don't think I will call this love, though. And more than just fun moments, I'm searching for genuine love. I wish you will, because when I don't, I just it just reminds me of something you would do. Like, just move on. I will go home to love me, to learn to love me, to learn to value me, to learn about my wounds and my faults and weaknesses and live in peace and harmony in the midst of loud laughter and disorganized paintbrushes and music to dance to and loud exclamations of excitement at the sight of a flower or the sun rising or setting or just jumping of joy because there is a full moon. Just being excited as much on my way to work as on my way home. Feeling my feelings, cry if I want to, and be mad if I need to. And laugh at it all. Surrounded by all the miracles that God has given us to thrive and be happy. To be alive and well. Respecting the material stuff, yes. But more importantly, seriously caring for all human beings and their feelings, from those close to me all the way those to who I will never meet. The universe knows and receives our energy and our hearts, and I want to send only goodbyes to the whole world. Joy is found in the giving, while love is found in the grace of receiving. And it's a letter I wrote because I find myself in a freeze-response situation. I have all my stuff packed in one room, and I have not been able to put it in a truck and drive away. I'm frozen in time. I'm just frozen in time. And I'm writing, so the more I write and the more I read, I can actually take that one step that will take me out of here. I love your podcasts, and, I, and I'm inspired by all of your guests and you. And, and, um, and I just wanted to share with you. Thank you for what you do. Thanks. Bye-bye. Oh my God! I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> I am crying. Well, oh my God! Well, first, I, me... first I feel terrible that I don't listen to all of them the whole way through because I want to be surprised for the show, um, and I have to email this person right away uh, after I get off uh, this call. Absolutely. Um, you know, just so everyone knows, like this was all like the order of which these are done were all just based on uh, time. I didn't that wasn't um, done on, on purpose. It wasn't planned, but that was a really good one to end on. Um, I mean, it was heartbreaking, heartbreaking, um, and and again, you know, it's heartbreaking. And again, you know, this person's having uh, a tough time leaving still, um, and. It's, again, that push kind of pull that we've been kind of talking about this whole entire call. Um, and, oh. And uh, this person just sounds like 
like just a incredible human. Like I want to know this person. She just the way she described herself was like, wow, you sound like you're so full of life and um and art and like just she seems just amazing. So that made it even more emotional. <sighs> There was a few moments I was just like, <laughs> like don't lose your cool now. But it was very, um, yeah, it was really a, a, intense. A, a very powerful ending um, mm-hmm. to the show. So to that person, yes. I, I thank you for, for sending it in. I'm going to be sending you an email uh, right away. I apologize because this it was sent so long ago. And, um, you know, when I get those voicemails, usually I just, I don't, sometimes I don't uh, listen to them uh, right away or I just listen to the beginning being like, cause sometimes it's a, a mistake. People send me, um, uh, I'm supposed to only send letters through there and they send other things. So I checked for one second that it was a letter and then I'm like, okay. And I, I didn't uh, listen. I wait and then I email people, but uh, my bad. Right. Cause we're sort of compiling them, right? Well, yes. so you kind of wait until there's a, a large amount and then kind of go through them that way. Yes. Um, so, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for sending that. And it was just, um, you know, it was meant to be the, the last, uh, episode or last letter, uh, of this episode. So thank you. And, yeah, thank you. Uh, and thank you for everyone who's stuck with this episode. Um, you know, uh, our letters to our narcissist episodes aren't as popular as our uh, other episodes. So everyone who stuck it uh, with us this whole entire way, this was our longest one by far. Um, and uh, thank you, uh, Melissa. I always love hanging out with you and, and chatting with you. And uh, you're my old pal, uh, Melissa. And uh, I couldn't do uh, this without you. And from day one, uh, you know, you were on board with whatever was going on and championing whatever I was doing here. And um, you're the best. Uh, and I can't oh. wait. I, we're, we're getting close to our two-year anniversary of that day. We'll do a special uh, show for that. And mm-hmm. we're coming close to our 100th. We've done more than 100 episodes, but we're coming close to our... Uh, 100th survivor story. So we have to do something in, in celebration wow. uh, to that. We've done actually probably more survivor stories than that. It's just that the ones that have made it to the main podcast, like we're in the, like, uh, or I think we're going to be at the mid 90s uh, next week. So, wow. Um, That's you know, incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's been a trip, you know? So, uh, you know, thank you for, for, for being on it. Uh, with me thank you for everyone out there who's uh supported me and you know thanks to everyone in our in our virtual support groups uh you know there's support groups on facebook but also our you know support groups uh on our patreon those people you know we see each other now once a week we we've we see, we know our faces and uh we're family in, in a way now and we know a lot, a lot about each other and you know there's uh, some of us that have been there for a while now and we love it when new people come in you know we had a new person, a couple new people uh, on Saturday, 
and you know the everyone comes in um, and says you know is really supportive and said you know I'm not the most articulate sometimes and sometimes my best line is like thank you for sharing you know that's that's me <laughs> but everyone else comes I'm like thank goodness you know just like you're here like thank goodness that everyone's there because it's a real community and we're helping each other and I just want to thank everyone who's part of this um, and I'll thank you once again when we do our uh, two-year anniversary but you know besides that you have any uh, last words over there uh, are you going to uh, I just want to sort of echo what you're saying you know thank you to everybody that sent stuff in everybody that's listened and um, yeah thanks for including me on this and I'm just proud to be a part of it well, I'm I'm grateful for having you, and um, you know it's it's just been uh, it's been it's as we said I think I said to you in June of 2019 I go we're on a ride, and <laughs> um, we just have to stay on the ride, and we're still on the ride, and yeah. we're it's it's still its infancy, so who knows what we're going to build from here? Well, and we're picking along the way. Yeah, exactly. Really, really exciting. So uh, thank you to everyone who's uh, still listening, and I hope you have a good night.